Welcome inside the Locked On Senators podcast. I'm Ross Levitan alongside Brandon Piller today. Pillsy, I heard you have a new favorite flavor of Built Bar. Yeah, Ross. Uh, I mean, the last couple episodes, I've been giving you guys some German lessons and uh, letting you know about my German heritage. And this flavor is perfect. We got German chocolate cake, or wow. for our German friends and fans out there, Deutsche Chocolat Kuchen. Kuchen wow. is cake. You're, you're so German. Yeah, that's. Uh, I love me a good chocolate Kuchen. So that flavor uh, really speaks to me. And Chocolate on chocolate on chocolate. So that's that works for me, and boy, is it tasty. But the best thing is, it's soft and it's easy to chew. You hate that like that hard chocolate. Sometimes M and M's are like that. You know where you bite into it and it cracks. Ah, oh, no, you want that soft chewiness with all of the good stuff. Yeah, that's right. Twenty grams of protein, only a hundred and seventy calories. That is a ration I can get behind. Three grams of sugar. Just toss that aside. I used to put so much sugar in my coffee. It was really gross. I felt so much better when I just took it out. So imagine that in your after-workout protein bar. Not to brag, but I worked out today. Did you, Pilsy? Yeah, I went for a run. Yeah. What was your favorite part of your run? Getting home, unwrapping that built bar, and getting some German chocolate cake in my belly. Sounds like you, the listener, need to get some German chocolate cake in you as well. Or if that maybe doesn't sit well with you, good thing they got 15 other flavors. Go to BuiltBar.com and for the whole month of May, use promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off your first box. Now, I mentioned it's for the whole month, but no. Go right now to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON for $10. Yes, $10. That's a beer on us. Promo code locked on, builtbar.com. Coming up on today's edition of the Locked On Senators podcast, we have friend of the show, David Foote. You recognize the voice from Belleville Senators Cocky this year. He was the color commentator in the booth alongside legend Jack Miller. And Footy has some really good insight onto the players, which one he thought grew the most from last season to this. His MVP is rookie of the year. And we ask him a very simple question. Could the Belleville Senators be better next year? All that and more. This is the Locked On Senators podcast, your team every day. Today is Wednesday, May 13th, and Brandon Piller, we talked about the season ending in the AHL, but today it was awesome to have David Foote join us for a complete eulogy. Yeah, I mean, we've been kind of shedding some tears based on the fact that uh, this magical Belleville Senators run is over. But it was nice to bring some positives and put some positive spins on it with uh, footy on the air, our good good pal at CAA Arena. And man, does he come prepared with the stats and the knowledge? I mean, who knows Belleville hockey better than footy? Not many people. So if you're really interested in the Belleville Senators and what they did this season and um, looking into who were some of his award winners in his mind and who head-to-head he thinks is more NHL ready, this is perfect because we got into some good debates. And uh, Ross, I think the most intriguing answer or answer that people will be surprised with, and we won't give away the answer, but that's his best defenseman of the year for the Belleville Centers may surprise you. So tune in for that. 
Yeah, and it was so good. You can't talk hockey with footy and not get carried away. We wanted to just have him uh, for, you know, we didn't want to take up too much of his time. He's got a full-time job down in uh, Belleville, CJBQ. You can listen to him there or the Around the A podcast. And actually, I'll mention now because we are going to split this interview into two. So you're going to get half of it today, half of it on Friday. But he mentions at the end of the interview, he's got a great interview coming out on his podcast, Around the A with Patrick Williams and David Foote with the commissioner of the American Hockey League. So make sure you go find that and uh, and get more content from Footy, more AHL, broader scope, whereas we talk to him specifically about the Belleville Senators. And Footy, uh, the answer we will give away that he said was his MVP was the same as the majority of Sens fans. We put out a poll at Sens Central on our Twitter, and I was a bit surprised. It was simple. Who's the MVP of the Belleville Senators season? Uh, about 300 votes and 66% with Josh Norris. Pilsy, we were unanimous on this show that it was Drake. Yeah, I think that's a scenario where you can argue either sides with great points, right? I think Norris probably got the win. Uh, more goals right away comes up, like shouts off the stat sheet right away. And, you know, recency bias is also a big thing. Batherson was playing up in the NHL at the end of the season. Well, he went back to Belleville for a bit too, but Norris was really lighting it up. Uh, at the end of the Belleville season before he also got the call up to the NHL. So I think people just saw that spark and that's what stood in their mind. But definitely not a wrong answer saying Norris is the MVP because he was a beauty. Yeah, it's grasping at straws. The counterpoint, though, to Norris's 31 goals is how many of those were assisted by Batherson, who was fourth in the entire American Hockey League in assists and played a lot on Norris's line when they were both um, in Belleville at the same time. Whereas, um, I don't know. You can make an, I don't want to make an argument against one of them. That's the thing. I thought That's they were the both so good. I just, I think that maybe what's going on here is people are saying most valuable versus expectations. Everyone knew that Drake was going to be awesome because he dominated last year. Norris was more of a revelation. Hey, we hadn't even seen him since the World Juniors. He missed all the back half of last season. So you were expecting him to take some time to adjust to pro hockey. People forget he did. He had no points in his first four games. And then just put pedal on the gas all the way until, unfortunately, we're going to have to keep going back to the fact that his season was cut short. But um, really no wrong answer there. And for that and many more answers, let's just take it right now for the first part of our two-part interview with Sens, B-Sens color commentator. We had Sens co- the color commentator, Gord Wilson, on last time. But now, from the Belleville Senators, here's David Foote. Now, pleased to welcome a recurring guest, officially friend of the show, second time on the program. You hear him on Belleville Airwaves as well as the color commentator for your Belleville Senators David Foote joined us footy on the air you can follow him, him on Twitter there footy it's been a while since we've seen you at the CAA arena how you been doing yeah it has been a while uh, doing all right boys how are you guys hanging in I'm doing all right I mean as you can see from Pilsy and I the uh, grooming has been at a minimum but uh, <laughs> we're doing what we can to survive starting to get on the draft talk if that'll happen or not still up in the air but what we do know for sure is that the AHL is done for the year. It sucks, I think, more than anything as an Ottawa Senators fan. Belleville was on such a great run, really coming together as a team, adding veterans down, 
down the uh, stretch to really um, plug the the leftover holes that this offensive juggernaut may have have had. So uh, with it all coming to the end, with Belleville finishing third in the Eastern Conference, we thought nobody better to have on than you. And what made me think about uh, reaching out was hearing you on the Alex Formanton highlight reel that our buddy (laughs) Sends Prospects put out. So let's start with him because he's been overshadowed all year by fellow rookie stud Josh Norris. But what did you see from his development from day one of camp until the uh, the conclusion of the season? I think we'll end up getting into some of the specifics uh, in a little bit when we uh, talk about some team awards. But um, just his development as a, a, you know, a 200-foot player, uh, when you get to the American Hockey League, that's really goal number one. Um, you know, everybody's aware of the uh, offensive capabilities of a guy like Alex Formanton and his speed is uh, absolutely blazing. But it's trying to harness that speed for uh, you know not just getting in on breakaways and scoring goals like he did in that highlight pack. Uh, it's you know getting back into position when you're um, you know forechecking hard and getting back defensively. It's winning races to the puck. It's using your speed through the neutral zone to distract from maybe who's got the puck and trying to time getting over the blue line properly. Um, it, it, the biggest thing for him was the way that he learned to kill penalties. And Troy Mann uh, you know, knows the asset of the speed that, that Alex Formanton has and really made a concerted effort to use that to the team's benefit while down a man. Um, if you can win races to the puck and you can get there first, your odds of getting the puck out of the zone and uh, killing off penalties uh, are that much better. And I think that's the one area where he really made the biggest strides this year. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely no concern when it comes to uh, Formanton's foot speed. But um, he may be the fastest of the bunch, but he definitely has a lot of competition uh, with other prospects in Belleville. Specifically, I want to get into uh, a guy he's probably competing for a roster spot in Ottawa next season in Rudolph Balsers. And Footy, you know better than anyone the hot streak that Rudolph Balsers went on when uh, he started in the AHL. He had 20 points in a 15-game point streak, and he finished off with 36 points in 33 games. What I'm wondering is, and I've said it all along in the podcast, does this guy have anything left to prove in Belleville? Like, what's the point of having Rudolph Balsers in Belleville, and does he have an edge for kind of... uh, that left-wing spot that might be open in the roster in Ottawa over guys like maybe Formanton or Schlappick or Nick Paul? Yeah, I don't think there's much keeping him here other than uh, you know how dominant he can be at the AHL level. And if you uh, want to win hockey games, having a guy like Rudy Balsers is is huge at this level. But I think he's proved himself uh, you know far and wide as probably the most NHL-ready guy on the roster, uh, you've seen it translate up to the NHL level. You know, maybe not at the same uh, rate, point production-wise, but um, he's got that experience playing there uh, for a bit this season. And uh, a guy who's got a, a real chip on his shoulder, right? He was up for uh, for a little while, came back down to Belleville, tore it up as you mentioned, and then it took a little bit for him to get that call again. And um, I think that's a guy who you're going to see come back uh, whenever it is that they come back and uh, really, uh, I think, separate himself from some of those other prospects for sure. Uh, he's hungry. He's physical, maybe a little bit more so than, than Formanton uh, is at times, and I think he's by far probably, for, for my money, the most NHL-ready guy um, of those that are, you know, have been up and down 
throughout the course of the season because Formington and, and Norris, uh, they got looks, but not real long, hard looks um, up in the NHL. So I think just experience alone uh, gives Rudy Balsers a big step up on those guys. Milo seems to agree with that one, makes him back-to-back appearances now on the podcast. For me, what was surprising is Rudy Balser's playing less than half the amount of NHL games this year than he had last year. Of course, the exodus of forwards with Stone, Duchesne, Dezingle in 2018-19 opened up that opportunity to play 36 games. Um, but averaging less ice time under DJ Smith in less than half the games, it wasn't um, the, the debut or the um, kind of blow through the door NHL um, start to a career that maybe we saw from while Drake scoring in his first game, that sort of thing. But you did see his game come along and he's going to be one of those, I think, sneaky top nine players where he can step up in a big moment, but I don't know if he's going to be a 40, 50 point guy. Do you see that kind of upside offensively or would you be happy if he's kind of a middle six, maybe more of a third line guy at the next level? I think he's definitely got the mentality to play third line if he has to like i said he's pretty gritty and uh, he'll get on you in the corners and along the wall uh, i mean we've seen that his scoring potential is there at the ahl level it just comes down to um if he gets more ice time perhaps is that going to translate up uh you'd have to hope so uh, as a fan of the ottawa senators and and um you know who, who knows with this extended offseason what kind of shape guys are going to come back in uh he could come back stronger uh, than he was and uh, I'm a big proponent of the more experience you get the more success you're going to have so with ice time will likely come uh, you know increased production from Balsers uh, the potential is there for sure so the plan is to go into our season awards with you for the Belleville Senators but before we do that we're going to play a little game Pilsy and I want to sh- put you on the clock and right. this is the perfect matchup to start Formanton Balsers which guy is closer to being an everyday NHLer? And then we're going to give you a couple more matchups head-to-head. Uh, Balsers, again, just because uh, he's got a little bit more experience. Uh, I think he's maybe a little bit tougher to get off the puck. Smaller than Forms, uh, you know, height-wise. But uh, Formington's got, I think, add a little bit of bulk to that uh, lanky frame of his. So uh, I would go Balsers uh, first off. But Formington is not far behind by any means. All right, I, I agree with you. Uh, I've been <laughs> I've been yelling and uh, preaching that Balsers needs more of a chance in the NHL because he's put up points everywhere he's gone. So it's yeah. just a matter of time before he puts up points in the NHL. So that's uh, that's one of the challenges at left wing. Let's head on over to the back end where there's two really interesting prospects in Christian Wallinen and uh, Eric Brandstrom, and both of them they have less than a season's worth of AHL games under their belt, but. Who do you think has a better chance of making the NHL squad? uh, Or do you think both or neither uh, will make it next season? Uh, Tough to say. Uh, I mean, this organization's pretty deep on on the back end. They've got a lot of guys signed already for uh, uh, 2021. Um, Wolanin, I think if he can uh, have a good offseason, I think stands a pretty good chance to, to start up in Ottawa. He probably should have been there this year, uh, yeah. if not for that injury that he suffered in, in training camp. And then uh, it took him a while to kind of get back up to speed um, when he finally got here in Belleville. Uh, 
Especially uh, when he had a fight in his first game. Well, yeah, and boy, uh, that Troy Mann was nervous. Uh, you could see it from across the rink uh, that day. Uh, and then for Branser, I mean, he got hurt right at the end of the season there, right? Uh, this layoff is almost uh, a, a benefit for him. The last I'd heard, he was going for a second opinion on whether or not he could play. I think Branny needs just a little bit more seasoning uh, here in Belleville. I think his confidence needs to grow a little bit. Um, and I mean, sometimes he's too confident. Let's let's uh, let's be honest. I, one of the things Troy Mann says about Branstrom is that um, you know he's the type of guy that can do it all by himself, but he needs to learn when not to do that. So I think Willannon perhaps would stand a better chance over uh, Branstrom if he had to pick. I agree with you, Footy. The the three year age different definitely comes into uh, yeah. a mind there and. After no goals, only four four points for a guy who's touted as an offensive defenseman in Branstrom in that minus nine rating where he's playing a five six role. You don't want to see another year of that sort of development. You'd rather him go down and see the production nearly a point a game uh, in Belleville, but getting to play in all situations. I think we even got to see him a bit on the PK, which uh, was a, a growing um, th- th- uh, aspect for, for his game. So that'd be nice if he can continue becoming an all-around defenseman because even when you get to the NHL and you're an offensive defenseman, Ottawa fans know that uh, those guys get nitpicked league-wide with uh, the Eric Carlson tour in maybe 2013 to 2016 before the national media caught on that this guy is elite i hate that i brought that up though you know comparing the two such different (laughs) such different players but with the same name the swedish background and a bit of electricity in their game it's it's hard not to um uh, this one i gotta be careful and we do have to go back to the fact this is who's closest to the nhl because i don't think it would be a surprise to anyone when i tell you that josh norris had a better season than logan brown injuries becoming the factor again with Logan Brown. But are we going to see number 21, finally, the big man in the middle, playing in Ottawa this season? 2016, he got drafted. I mean, time's ticking right now. Yeah, time's ticking. And, and there were some rumors about you know him feeling like he deserved a shot and wasn't getting it. Uh, I mean, you mentioned the injuries. For me, that's the biggest uh, factor with Logan Brown is when he's healthy and when so he's bad. on. He's so good. He's he's very hard to stop in in all uh, three zones. Uh, he's got a, a lightning quick release. He's smart. He's got hands. But for a big dude, he gets hurt a lot. And I don't, you know, I'm I'm not a doctor. Uh, I can't tell you what uh, uh, you know steps he can take to prevent his injuries. But uh, that's the biggest thing for for me um, is that he's got to find a way to stay healthy and. Uh, if he can, then yeah, he goes up before Josh Norris. Um, it's also, you know, looking at the numbers, tough to say, yeah, Josh Norris is going to be back in Belleville as well, right? Who knows um, what the offseason is going to look like for him, but he's also not proven in the NHL. He's only had a, a brief, brief look. Uh, and I think, as I felt with Drake Batherson coming into this past season, a little bit more AHL time would not be a detriment. Um, to his development, especially if he can come back, continue that torrid pace that he was on uh, this season and really show that, yeah, I'm an elite scorer and uh, I can get the job done at the professional level. So we're going to hold on to your answer to this one, but our last question is going to be, should Belleville Sens fans be even more optimistic going into next season? Because a lot of disappointment right now, but depending on who gets called up, I'll let you think about that as we get into our Belleville Senators season awards. 
Thank you once again to David Foote. You can follow him on Twitter at Footy on the Air. And as I mentioned before, make sure to download that podcast. It sounds like it was a great one with AHL outgoing commissioner. It's actually David Hendry's last year. So talk about going out with a bang with all that's going on. Uh, it kind of sucks. Everyone thought that this was going to be his final time handing out the Calder Cup. Unfortunately, won't be able to do that. So I'm ex- I'm really excited for that conversation. And also, Pilsy, I'm excited for a Built Bar. So make sure you go to BuiltBar.com and put in the promo code LOCKEDON to get $10 off your first box. You've heard it from me. You've heard it for Pilsy. Parliament actually couldn't make it today because he was going to sit outside and wait for the postman to show up with his box of Built Bar. He went to BuiltBar.com. He put in promo code LOCKEDON and... I'm assuming. Oh, yeah. Did you just get that text too, Pilsy? Chris no. just said the chocolate mint brownie built bar is the best protein bar I've ever had. So take it from Chris Parliament as well. Huge. Built bar, they know what they're doing. It's delicious. It's low in calories. It's low in sugar. And it's high in protein. So get jacked up. Finish off your workout strong with a built bar, builtbar.com. Calm. Now let's get back to our draft rankings and the draft. We got so excited last week, Pilsy. We got so excited. It was it was a day away from being announced. That's what everyone said. It's a no-brainer. So we started counting down five at a time in our top 50. Hey, we got to make it. We got to make it. We got to make it. Well, things have changed. We aren't sure when the draft will be. It could still be in June. Uh, it sounds like it's a toss-up. Pierre Lebrun was saying on TSN 1200 today. Um, so we're going to slow it down a little bit. We're in the first round. We want to massage um, all of our knowledge of these players right now. So we're going to go down to three players per episode that we're going to rank down. So today it is players 30, 29, and 28. So we're in the first round. And then once we get to the top 10, we're planning on interviewing someone in the scouting community for each player. Somebody, uh, if we see an article on that specific player, we'll reach out and try to get them on and really focus each episode because the Sens are going to get two of those guys. And maybe, maybe one of them falls and they can get them with that Islanders pick. So we want to be prepared for the uh, for the, this imp- mega important draft, right, Pilsy? There's, n- there's never been a draft more important than this in Ottawa Senators history. No, no way. I mean, like this, this will be the turning point of, you could almost say like this will be the turning point of Pierre Dorian's career. Like everything that he's done has sort of per- led percept- up to this moment. Yeah. And like if... He's he's swinging for the fences here. Either this works and he gets guys that are going to influence the game uh, either right away or in only a couple of years. And this core group is going to fit together and it's going to work or it's a total bust and this rebuild continues. So this is the time, the 2020 NHL draft. And I'm just going to go ahead and say it. It's going to happen in June. Like there's no way they can hold it off for longer. This we need this. I need this. We all need this. So without further ado, let's hop into number 30. And let's remember, it is full of defensemen where we've been. We we had Caden uh, um, Goalie uh, recently. He's a guy who's going to go in that late first round, early second. So he was our 31st guy uh, when we finished off our rankings for Monday show. You can always go back and listen to um, any show from the past week and a half now. We've been, uh, we've been counting our way down from 50 and now at pick number 30 one of the better names in the draft William Wallander what can you tell us about him Pilsy? Billy Wally 
uh, William Wallander. And this, Ross, we've been we've been caught with a lot of small forwards in our prospect rankings so far. It's so refreshing to see a defenseman with some size. I mean, six foot four, 192 pound defenseman from Sweden. Uh, you know the Senators like their Swedish defensemen. But with that size, there comes some advantages and disadvantages. And the real advantage here, and this is something we talk about with Logan Brown a lot, is using your size. Use that to your advantage. And Logan Brown sometimes shies away from that. But Willinder is a guy who he's going to use his size to his advantage. And when he's clearing the net out front or if there's a scrum uh, after a whistle, he's the guy that's tear- tearing it up. He's the guy that's uh, making the forwards hesitate when they get try to screen uh, his goalie or try to get tip pucks or deflections or stuff like that. So that's something that uh, is definitely a plus for him. But then a big knock comes with his inconsistency. And if you watch enough of his uh, highlights, there's times where he's kind of just floating around. He doesn't really have like set spots where he knows he needs to be in the play. And that's a problem with a lot of young prospects, especially defensemen. When you're going from uh, junior leagues to playing with men, um, the schemes of being a defender really change. And you have a lot more freedom in junior leagues, especially when you're a guy of his size, because you can use your stick to take up space and uh, separate the man from the puck. But as you get into uh, higher competition levels, you need to be in the right spot at the right time, or you're going to make uh, it's going to make you look silly just thinking you're covering a guy, and then someone's open right behind you, and he puts the puck in the net back door. So that's something that, with time and experience and proper coaching, I don't think really is going to be an issue for this guy. So if you're looking at Willinder and you're looking at him as more of a project defenseman, I think he's going to fit in really nicely to any team system. Despite his big size, he hasn't been playing against men, at least not for most of the season. Spent 18 games up with Moto. It's too bad Moto is not in the, the Elite League anymore. Um, after such a proud history, I know that's uh, where Peter Forsberg used to ply his trade uh, back in the day. Um, another good note, though, when he did play with Moto, his teammate was former Atlanta Thrasher and Winnipeg Jets defenseman Tobias Enstrom, who's the, uh, the captain of his team there. So learning from a guy who had... I don't know, what would you say? At least 800 games for Tobias Enstrom in the in the NHL. He, he played a fair share. Yeah, a little, uh, you could say he's on the complete opposite uh, spectrum in size, Enstrom, compared to Olinder. So a little bit different there. But, uh, hey, the he's put the work in. And oh, Enstrom, I thought, was a decent defenseman at an NHL level. So that's a great guy to uh, learn. And he's probably one of those guys who has excelled at positioning because he's so small. So that's yeah. good. And since we're talking about Belleville all episode, how about former Belleville Senator Adam Tambellini averaging almost two points per game on that same Alston nice. uh, League team? But as I mentioned, William uh, Wallinder uh, played a lot more with his own age group, and the points came a lot easier for him, as you would expect that to be. 24 points in 37 games, playing in the, the junior, the under 20, so like junior A, basically. And then he went down and played in the U18s, which is his age group from growing up, played one game at five assists. So I think it's fair to say that he outgrew that level, Pilsy. Yeah, one game, five assists. I think uh, you kind of chalk that up and say, all right, uh, there's nothing left for you to prove here. And he has nothing left to prove to Craig Button. He has him ranked all the way up at 18th. We have wow. him at 
30th. Everyone else is around there. Elite Prospects has him at 25th. Scott Wheeler, although he has him up 10 spots, still has him down at 37th. And Future Prospects thinks he's a mid-second rounder. So lots of uh, discrepancy, which has been a theme throughout these rankings. Uh, And among European skaters for the NHL Central Scouting, he was ranked 14th, down from 7th. So kind of funny how he goes up 10 spots on Wheeler's list, down seven spots on the NHL central scouting. So it's uh, that's the, the crazy game of scouting, but we're just here relaying the information that we're learning from the videos that we're watching and not trying to be a draft guru or anything, just having some fun trying to get to know these prospects. And the next one sticking on the back end, I could tell you just from his name, this guy played in the WHL, but Braden Schneider from Prince Albert, Saskatchewan, you know, that any defenseman from the Prairies, they're bringing meat and potatoes to their game. Absolutely. And I've said it before, I'm a big fan of most prospects that come out of the WHL. And he played in Brandon for the Wheat Kings. And he's got some size too, uh, Ross. Six foot two, 209 pounds, and even better, a right shot defenseman. And here's these are the kind of scouting reports that this is just music to my ears. And this is a real reason why I think depending on what happens with the defenseman, you just uh, chalked up how crazy it is, uh, the different rankings each guy has for a defenseman. But I think it's going to be a scenario where it's going to be a huge domino effect for defensemen in the draft. As soon as one or two or three get taken in a row, teams are going to be jumping on other defensemen they have on their list and maybe hoping that some of those higher talented small forwards will slip back down and they can catch them with their next draft pick. But Having said that, the things I love about Schneider uh, that I was talking about is he's touted as being a great first pass defenseman. And he led almost all the rushes for the Wheat Kings this season. He's so good at making an accurate pass and hits the winger in stride. And what I like best about him is he's never trying to wow you with a crazy pass. He's going to make that simple, effective pass every time. And that's so uh, underrated because... It's like a point guard in basketball, right? Like you want the guy who brings the ball up the court or the puck up the ice to have good vision and exercise uh, safe passes as his first pass. You can't be giving the puck away right away and then all your forwards are already too deep in the zone and then you've got an odd man rush coming the other way because you were trying to do a fancy sauce pass at 100 miles an hour at your teammate hoping he catches it off the boards. So this is something that I really liked about his game and He exploded this season, Ross. 42 points in 60 games. His previous other seasons, he had just over 20 points. Oh, that's a big discrepancy. And um, a leadership role as well. has been wearing the A for the last two years. Captain the uh, Team Canada under-17 team. And um, so you know he has those qualities as well. You mentioned the first pass out of his own. So no surprise with those 35 assists. And another thing about him, too, is... Scouts are all high on him. This one, there's not as much discrepancy. Um, Although, if anything, scouts have him pretty high compared to us at 29th. We'd be on the lower end. Uh, Future Considerations has him at 27th. Button at 25. McKean's up at 19. And International Scouting Service has him as the 13th best player in the draft. So there are some guys who are high on Braden Schneider. So there's a good chance he won't be here at 29. I've got some uh, trivia too. Who's the last player the Ottawa Senators drafted from the Brandon Wheat Kings? I don't know this one. Mark Stone in 2010. 
Uh, it's his birthday today, round. too, I think. Hey, stick tabs. So we'll, we'll, we'll give a shout out. Mark Stone, he did enough to, to always be a friend of uh, the Senators community. So, uh, yeah, happy birthday to uh, Mark Stone. What would he be then? He would be 28. 28. Yeah. You know how I know that? We're born the same year. Pretty good math guy then. Hey, how it still took me that long. Wow. All right. Well, uh, if this next forward can be anything close to outputting the kind of career that Mark Stone had, then Zion Nybeck is going to be making a a very happy GM in the National Hockey League, but it's going to be a GM that picks him notwithstanding some risk because the NHL Central Scouting, and this is where I've been going for my heights because they're all the draft guys in the same spot. So if you go to six sites, you could get six different heights, and I know you saw them listed a bit taller. But NHL Central Scouting has this guy listed at five foot six, 182 pounds. Now, 182 pounds at that height is a pretty built guy, but does that worry you, being five foot six, trying to make it in the National Hockey League? Five foot six is pretty small, and I don't, uh, you know, these these short guys, they they hear it all the time, and they don't care, right? They're, it's it's mind over matter for these guys. But when you're looking at five foot six, when uh, the NHL is trending much closer to six feet average, that uh, that worries me. But again, there's there's time for him to grow, time for him to build muscle, and these small guys, they know how to play a small game. Yeah, 100%, but he's a pass-first winger. And what I'm reading over and over in his highlight pack at the U uh, the U18s last year shows this as well, he's electric. Like, the way he dances with the puck, the way he always has his head up, he, he which you need because if you have your head down and you're that small, you're not going to be playing a very yeah. long time at any sort of professional level. But he is so entertaining that I think he is the perfect guy for the sense to target with either the top pick in the second round or if they really like him, no, maybe it's a bit early at 20, but late first, early second for a team that has so many picks. We're going to keep going back to this because it's a locked on senators podcast and the Sens run the 2020 draft, but Pilsy just maybe you can touch on how, how much this opens the, the world to Pierre Dorian in terms of knowing that you can strike out on one, maybe two, of these top three round picks and still have a successful draft. Yeah. Most, uh, most GMs are dealing with uh, probably two strike system. You can't get three strikes, but Dorian, he can take a lot of swings at this one. So that's where, you know, the sense typically though, I'd be surprised if they go for uh, some of these high risk, high reward guys, because typically they go for the safe picks, um, higher floor, uh, lower ceiling kind of guys. But it's funny that you uh, you identified Nybeck as a pass-first guy because in the highlights I watched of him, he really seems like a shoot-first guy in my eyes because he he's working really hard in the battles along the boards. And then if he wins the puck battle, he speeds down the wing. And what I really like about him, and this is something I think a lot of players don't do enough, is he keeps it simple. It's speed down the wing, get past that defender, and then once you get close to the hash marks, fire a shot on net. Worst case scenario, goalie saves it, plays over. There's so many other scenarios. Rebound, gets it in, scores right off the shot. And where um, where Nybeck really did a really good job is with his release. It's kind of 
Ross, we're both goalies. We know the hardest thing about stopping a shot that you can see fully is getting the timing of the release. And if you can confuse a goalie and make him think you're going to shoot earlier or later, your positioning is going to be all out of whack and you can make a goalie look silly by sneaking one past him without even getting reaction. And I thought that's what Nybeck did really well is rushing down the wing, using that speed and then just fooling the goalie with a quick shot. Yeah, awesome agility, too, from what I've seen. Like, really can bounce back and forth, especially in one-on-one situations, and and create space for himself. So I think that he's a bit of a project, of course. You're going to want to see what he grows into. But he's a guy who I would bring over right away and put in my American Hockey League team, get him acclimated to not having as much space. How are you going to take the angles? How are you not going to allow defensemen to to angle you off on not only the forecheck, but just coming through the neutral zone? Uh, When you have guys like Braden Schneider, uh, who we just touched on, who's such a big imposing figure, and he's going to have to adjust to that. But a lot of the scouts think he can. Um, Scott Wheeler's the most high on him. He has him at 21st. But he acknowledges that it's likely an early second-round pick. We have him this high because we think the Sens should um, as well. This is, of course, a Sens mock board, uh, taking into account what the Sens need. Um, and I think he fits that perfectly. He says that if whoever gets him in the second round, if he falls there, is going to be an absolute steal. And you can also... It's of note that he did play 15 games in the Swedish Hockey League this year. Like, playing against men, what's known as, what, a third fourth best league in the world um definitely top five so uh i think that has to be taken into consideration and if you're looking for a goal highlight reel there's plenty of that of them this year 27 goals in the under 20 the junior a level that's the most among any under 18 player so uh he is accustomed to putting up points this isn't the the small player who's struggling every game to get to the net, he's able to create at uh, well over a point per game, 66 points plus 24 in only 42 games. Yeah. And uh, his, his hockey IQ is just off the charts. Like there's, there's a couple of highlights that I saw where he's anticipating the play that's going to break out and he uses his speed to jump in and break up those first passes and then he gets a chance to blow by a defender. So this is a guy that has a lot of potential, a lot of upside, but it'll be interesting to see where he goes. And Ross, I think this uh, the third first round pick that the Senators have is going to be most interesting, but I really think they're going to go with the D-man here. I think the first two picks... The, the top-end talent of forwards in the top five is just too much to avoid. Uh, we've talked about it before. I thought maybe Drysdale or you were really high on Sanderson maybe an option for their second first-round pick. But I think it'd be a mistake to reach that far on a defenseman just to fill a need. And Dorian's already said he's going to select uh, best player available, not position-wise. So I think you can pretty much chalk up the two first picks are going to be forwards, and then they're going to try to really hit a home run with a safe, sound pick on defense with their third first-round pick. And that's why I think, honestly, Braden Schneider is a guy that, if he's still there, I think would be a really good uh, pick for them. Well, there's plenty of time until the draft for all this to shake out, but three really good players. If any of those guys are wearing a Sens jersey after draft day, I know I'd be happy about that. Absolutely. Um, I think that's good to wrap. It was awesome talking with uh, David Foote. Any uh, final notes you got there, Pilsy? No, that's that's just about it. I mean, it's it's sad that uh, Belleville season is over, but don't uh, cry because it's over. Smile because it happened, right?
and it could even get better next year, right? Um, I'll leave you with this, too. Um, head to our Twitter, at Send Central. Uh, getting a lot of love for these photos that I found in my my uh, camera roll. I've got a ton of random stuff in there. Um, pictures of Eric Carlson dressed up wearing Dion yeah, Phaneuf's gear at practice. So The shoulder at, pads. The shoulder, the shoulder pads on him were just... Because they look big on Dion. Yeah. So it's awesome to see. So head to Send Central and get a laugh out of that as well. For Brandon Piller, I'm Ross Levitan. We'll be back Friday with part two of the David Foote interview, and we'll get to prospects number 27, 26, and 25. All that and more. This has been the Locked On Senators podcast, your team every day. <laughs>